I want to get queen rewards. Come on. I'm all about that. <laughs> you did well, minions. Now we will send you off somewhere more perilous. But first, get drunk in town. I don't remember her sounding like that, but I guess it's been a while. <laughs> That's You know what? This time, I think that you should just do the queen's voice. I'm the queen of fire. <laughs> <laughs> Previously on Bad Heroes. Truth is a slippery thing here in Vire. History books can be rewritten. Bards can be silenced. For each curse you bring me, I will answer one question. One question for all of you, just for fun. If you encounter any moderately docile, infected individuals interested in being cured of their affliction, bring them back with you. Docile? Docile, infected individuals. It's possible. You pull the stake out and this woman goes, Ah! Oh my god, did I bite you? Wingitha holds up her hand. You did, but water under the bridge. We gotta get out of here. Oh my god, is the castle coming down? Yeah, yep. (laughs) (laughs) An older elven woman brushes herself off and says, um, I know the way out. It is a long tunnel. It seems as if you guys are marching upward towards daylight. Are we there yet? (sighs) The only way that we know of for sure to get back is to send somebody through the hoop, draw a sigil in the ground, and use that as a portal to get back Gideon reaches up to her neck to cover her hand in her blood and holds it out to the vampires. Two of them remember what live prey tastes like, and they are not done. And those two launch at you. As Tonrir is coming down, he's pulling that hoop back out of his pack, and he's going to call out to Gideon and toss the ring toward her. You hold out the hoop to the side, Thalia holds out a foot and trips him, and he just (laughs) flies through the air through that hoop. And then the other one looks at you like, it's just too late. Like, you have already just, and they are gone. Nick says, sometimes being hurt so deeply makes monsters out of us, and we make victims out of others, and so continues the cycle. But I think, as I believe you think, there is a better way. Mwantha looks at the pendant in Nyx's hand. If you wear it, it should stop Sephira from finding you. Even with a hellhound, I think you should take it. And I think you should take them. Mwantha sighs, and she looks at the new vampires. I'd like to help them if I can, if they want it. So you're leaving. Looks like it. I won't miss you. (laughs) (laughs) I won't miss you. But I will remember you. You draw the last sigil in a long series of sigils and it lights up. And as you guys all step in, you guys look out and you see seven young vampires and Nyx. And the last thing you guys see is Wingatha. So, you guys just completed your first arc. You just hunted your first curse. How do you feel? Exhausted. I have two health points. <laughs> That's how you feel? <laughs> the, t- the two moods. <laughs> it's so true. So, you guys just stepped into the portal, and there is a blur of light and motion and a wave of dizziness as you all teleport through that portal out of the desert and back into Vyre's capital city. Uh, you know what? Everybody give me a constitution saving throw. I got a new dice set. Ooh. So I have it noted here because I have constitution damage. Um, oh, no. My, my, first, 
My first constitution damage was minus one to all constitution rolls. And then the next time I took constitution damage, you only told me that it's minus 12 points to overall HP. I don't know how many I subtract. I believe you have four total constitution damage. So I just subtract four from my constitution? Yeah, I think you have- Which was a zero? (laughs) I think you have four negative constitution levels. So yeah, subtract four. Cool. And if I rolled a three- (laughs) Gideon? Gonna die. (laughs) You're not gonna die, but you feel really, really ill. Like, very sick. Like, you do not- This is not- Going there was okay. Coming back, not so much. You feel really, really nauseous. Okay, I think without realizing what she's doing, she because she feels nauseous, she kind of just reaches her hand out. <laughs> I'm just imagining that she would have uh, blindly reached out and put her hand right on Talia, Talia's shoulder, <laughs> kind of to steady herself and was like, <laughs> <laughs> trying, to, trying to hold it back as much as possible, as daintily as possible. <laughs> Okay, you, you cling to, to Thalia as you, you go through this portal. How do you do, Tonmer? Uh, 15 plus 2. Oh, okay. You feel fine. Iria? I rolled a 10. Am I adding... Do I add anything to that? Um, I think that you perhaps have one point of constitution damage because you were bit by Thalia, but you're fine. That's fine. Okay. So, yeah. Tonmer, Iria, you feel pretty good. Gideon, you feel terrible. <laughs> and I think as you land, Thalia you know, very graciously lets you sort of cling to her. How nice. I know. I mean, you guys bonded. She's real peach. (laughs) (laughs) So you all find yourselves standing back in Vesper's wild jungle-like garden, wearing your masquerade masks and looking various levels of worse for wear. And believe it or not, guys, you were here roughly 24 hours ago. You were only gone for a day. Impossible. (laughs) <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's been four months. You you are lying to my face. <laughs> <laughs> you guys were here 24 hours ago, um, and there you guys stand. Gideon, are you still wearing ice armor? How long does it last? It was a 24-hour period, I believe. So, yes, except for the parts that were ripped off. Yeah, you guys, you guys look rough, but you're standing there, and... I think as you land, you guys take in your environment at various uh, speeds because some of you are trying not to throw up. And there is that enormous dire lion, Amra, who is big enough to ride. And he is in a deep sleep next to the portal. And his whiskers are twitching. And right in front of you stands Vesper, the living skeleton, and Ivy, the talking Maine Coon. And I think when Vesper sees you, he, well, he can't smile because he doesn't have lips, but he <laughs> he holds out his arms and he looks thrilled. And he says, welcome back, my friends. I am beyond happy to see you. Oh, oh one of you is missing. D- did the worst happen? And Vesper is holding a little gray and white kitten. Ugh. And Iria starts crying because she misses Wingatha. Gideon raises her hand to say something, but then just shuts up and tries not to vomit. (laughs) With an awkwardness to suggest that she's never done this in her life, Thalia very gently puts a hand between your shoulder blades and goes, There? There? (laughs) I have a question. Mm -hmm. What time of day is it? It is, let's see. 
Oberon came back to the castle in morning. You guys were busy for a little while, so it's probably like probably like midday. And are vampires out? So, <laughs> so the garden actually has like a really heavy canopy over the portal. Oh. So there's no sunlight coming down. But yeah, good catch. Cool. Thank you for the sanity check. <laughs> yeah, good. And they all they exploded after all you <laughs> did. Well, we're back. <laughs> This garden is like, it is like a really cool jungle. I mean, there are huge vines going over you guys. And you think that maybe this portal is sort of in the center of the garden where he has purposefully crafted the foliage all around it. And Tanra, you probably, you probably think it's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. In fact, the thing that Tanra is going to do is pull back his hood, take his hand, and just kneel down and push it against the earth just to feel... The grass and the green and the not cold stone slash sand slash weird corpse people that want to suck blood. <laughs> Would it be madness if the vines kind of curled around your hand? Can it do that? I cannot control it to that extent, at least not yet. I guess the only thing that I could really do is use shape wood at that point. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Okay. Well, it's more of a metaphorical uh, uh, embracing of vines. Correct. Yeah. Me and all the wood. (laughs) Uh, Vesper has just asked, um, where's Wingatha? Conrier is going to wait to see if anybody else speaks up first before doing so. I already tried. Right. Aria kind of looks down and shuffles her feet a little bit and, and says, Wingatha has gone on her own journey. She's still alive. That's not like a innuendo for death. Like she's she's on an actual journey. <laughs> Vesper says, "Oh well, that's a relief. Uh, though I can't imagine the queen will be happy about that. But I am happy to hear she's all right." And then he looks at Thalia and that vampire that you found in the cupboard, and sort of blinks and says, "Oh, hello, Lady Thalia. Pleasure to see you again." And he sketches a really deep bow and he says, it's been some time. And she takes her hand off of you, Gideon, and tilts her head and says, Vesper? Huh. Last time we spoke, you were alive. Likewise, are you my, um, test subject? Absolutely not. That would be her. And she points at the young vampire who had been stuck in the dresser. And that young vampire just kind of like awkwardly waves. <laughs> Tom Rear will finish uh, having his moment and stand back up and just kind of look between them and uh, looks towards Thalia and then back to Vesper with a that kind of curious notion and then says... So, you two do know each other, but to what extent? (laughs) Vesper says, um, we ran in the same circles some time ago. Nobility and all that. And Thalia is sort of running her fingers along the edge of the portal as if she's examining it. And she says, um, I am not your test subject. I am, however, looking for a place to stay. Vesper... Are you still interested in alchemy? 
I studied it extensively, you know. And he says, Ah, yes, it's all I do now. Can I interest you in an apprenticeship? <laughs> Not a chance. But I am interested in what you're doing, this cure business, and I would be interested in helping as a guest. And I think he sketches a very low bow and says, Welcome to my manor then, dear lady. I have a wing that may suit you, though it will be less than what you're used to. I hope you like cats. Aria perks up a little bit and is <laughs> expectantly waiting for the answer to that. Thalia looks at you and laughs, and then she reaches out and picks up the little gray kitten from Vesper's arms and says, uh, <laughs> I, I do like cats. I liked them when I was alive anyway, and I think I like them now. I think she gives Vesper sort of a gracious little nod, and then Ivy, the cat, leads her away. And so now you guys are all standing in this portal area with the young vampire from the dresser and Vesper and a sleeping dire lion. Tonrir has a first priority of getting some food for himself. It's been a rather long 24 hours. The 24 hours probably felt like this year does. Um, <laughs> so his first look is to see if maybe any of the trees offer any fruit or anything like that that can be consumed. Yeah, give me a nature check. That's going to be high. Uh, 22. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Easy. You can You can pick. What do you find? He'll start with some uh, blackberries that he sees just grown off of off nearby and then get up into a tree, send Ruthwin off to perch somewhere. And he's just going to work on collecting himself for the next few moments. Iria is looking at the, it's a lion you said, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. A very big lion. Like three of you guys could ride this lion. Yeah. Iria is looking at the lion who is sleeping very cutely and, Kind of goes to the lion's butt and, and sits <laughs> against the lion for some warmth and rest. <laughs> that is adorable. Gideon, I think your nausea has started to fade and you're, you're kind of coming back to yourself. Then she's going to pull out her journal and start writing. <laughs> I, th I think as you guys all kind of disperse, that young vampire was just kind of like has been watching Vesper through really wide eyes and has been nervously stepping behind each of you. And then as everybody has sort of dispersed is just standing behind Gideon. And you guys get the impression that like, maybe she hasn't seen a talking skeleton before. And <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah. I mean, she was in that castle for like a century. So Vesper hasn't seen her. Vesper very politely puts his sort of fingers together and tilts his head and sort of peeks around you and says, Hello. Uh, and who might you be? Gideon doesn't stop writing, but just walks forward so that she can no longer be used as a barrier. <laughs> uh, this, this young vampire says, Farah? Farah Adler. Hi, sorry, if this is a rude question, um, are you a skeleton? And he says, Ah, the skeleton thing. Yes. <clears throat> uh, well, every time I really started getting somewhere in my work, I would have another accident. Something would explode, and I'd nearly take a trip to the outer sphere, if you know what I mean. 
My own mortality was standing in the way of progress. So I took up necromancy. You don't have to be afraid, dear. I promise it's quite safe. And she sort of tentatively comes out and looks him over and he sort of takes her hand very gently and gives it a shake. And Vesper says to you guys, I I know it's been a day, a very long day, but uh, you guys are needed at the castle. Ugh. You're just like <laughs> exhausted and kind of like leaning back on the lion. Also, you probably shouldn't touch that. He will wake up at some point. Is he mean? Uh, his entire job is guarding this portal, so... Oh, well, I'm already here, so... <sighs> Gideon just kind of rolls her eyes at the cat being a cat and looks up from her journal just to say, I know I've asked before, <laughs> but look at me. I need a bath. Yeah, you do. Vesper nods and he says, I think in this case, everyone will agree. Uh, you've clearly seen a lot in the last day. Why don't you head out and meet up with Danya? I'm sure she can take care of you. Oh, good. Back to the tiny bathtub. Iria gets up from where she was sitting against the lion and looks at the vampire and says, I'm so sorry, we're really rude. We didn't even ask your name before. Your name is Fira? Fira, actually. Fira. Fira Adler. Fira. You're a cat, and that's real cool. Yeah. What's your name? Iria. Oh. Yeah, we kind of sound similar. Fira, Iria. Fira, but yeah, nice <laughs> to meet you. Um, Fira, Iria. <laughs> Are you... Do you live with the skeleton? Does everyone live with the skeleton? I'm no. like really stuck on the skeleton thing. Yeah, we don't live with him. And I was kind of, I was kind of concerned because we're about to like just leave you here with the skeleton. So I just want you to feel comfortable. Um, <laughs> so I wanted to introduce myself and thank you. First of all, you, you helped our friend, right? Uh, well, I, I, I threw her off the third story balcony and I did try to catch her, but I couldn't. But, uh, I, yeah, well, you could say helped. Helped is, you, yep, sure, I helped. You you did your best, and we appreciate that. She's still alive, and that's, that's something. Yeah, I just wanted to let you know that Vesper here, he's a really cool dude. He threw us into an almost impossible situation. We probably weren't going to come back. In fact, there's been, like, multiple parties that have gone there and have not come back. I think we're actually the first party that has come back. As He has a lot of cats. As he has a lot of books. As Iria keeps rambling on about Vesper's house and how great it is, or how great she thinks it is, uh, Gideon has walked away and is like, Oh, can we go? <laughs> <laughs> like, as Vesper leads you guys out and you go back through the sitting room and back towards the open door, Pharaoh's like, Wait, impossible task? What? Uh, wait, I'm mixed messages. And Vesper just like puts a bony hand on her shoulder and says, It's okay, dear. Don't worry. And you guys head out of Vesper's house and back down that cobblestone street, yeah? Is anybody trying to linger and hide out in that garden, or are you guys... No, Gideon's out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Iria's still, like, rambling as she follows Gideon. <laughs> Tonrir is following quietly and almost mutedly, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. 
as you guys are heading out, Vesper says, um, oh, I know it's been a day, a long day. Um, for later, Iria, you told me that you needed something translated, something about a mirror. Um, I'm more than happy to help. Come back later when you have time. Yes. Okay. I'll do that. Awesome. And, uh, and he sort of waves you out and closes the front door. And as he closes the front door, you see that face on the front of the door and it says, hello again. (laughs) Care for a riddle? No. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Iria, uh, when the door closes, she's like, oh, you again. I am so happy to see you. Normally I wouldn't be, but I'm just happy to be alive. So it's good to see you. Gideon's very far away. Yeah, you're still kind of rambling at whoever is going to listen to her. <laughs> the door's like, oh, I'm happy to see you too. I get so bored. I feel like you weren't gone very long. Do you want to do a riddle? I have a riddle for you. Are you ready? Well, I don't really need to go in the door, so I think I'm good. No, it's just for fun. Oh. <laughs> Gideon's gone. <laughs> uh, the door just says, okay, do come back and... While you're gone, wonder about what has four fingers and a thumb but is not living. Think about it. See you later. Bye. Bye. Four fingers and is not living? Four fingers and a thumb but is not living. Goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) Could you hear me thinking? I could hear you thinking. I feel like Iria, as she walks away, is sitting there like counting fingers on her on her like paw. I literally was just doing that in real life. <laughs> I was like putting one of my fingers down, and I was like, "Wait, no, four fingers and one thumb. That's still a whole hand." <laughs> uh. All right, so you guys all heading down the cobblestone path. Mm-hmm. Okay, you guys are headed down the cobblestone road away from Vespers and back towards the castle. Um, and you guys are actually on the castle grounds, which includes the castle, Danny's place, Vesper's place. Those are all on the castle grounds. And as you head down this road, something very short and very fast is approaching you at speed. Who's in front? Gideon. Gideon. <laughs> Dexterity saving throw, please. <laughs> the almost dead one. 11 plus 2, 13. <laughs> so it's Danny, and she's coming at you as if to tackle you. What do you do? Embrace the tackle. So I assume I assume 13 was enough? 13 was enough, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Since I have control over the situation. <laughs> okay, so Gideon, as soon as she realizes it's Danny, so she's just running full speed? Oh, yeah. It's like a blur of red hair and freckles, and she is coming at you. Okay, hang on. Let me look up the spell. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> She's going to kill Danny. (laughs) (laughs) So I was going to throw a snowball at her, but that actually does a significant amount of damage. So instead. (laughs) You're going to you're going to (laughs) kill. So as she's running, Gideon sees this and casts dancing lights in the form of a vaguely humanoid shape. Oh, God. In between her and Danny. Not again. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think she's running up, and as she's running up, you hear, You did it! You did it! You did it! Uh, uh, what? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and she just, like, stops in, like, a wide stance, like, ah! And then, like, scuttles to the side and looks at you from the other side of the thing and goes, What is that? Uh, and Gideon just says, I had to get you to stop. 
because I have literally two hit points. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Danny takes a look at you and goes, oh my God, you look terrible. Um, Danny. Danny. I knew you could do it. Danny. Mm? I need a bath. <laughs> Danny very gently like comes up and like from just like countless feet below you reaches out and very gingerly takes your hands and looks up at you with just like huge eyes and is like, I am so happy to see you. I have a surprise for you. I knew you could do it. You look terrible. Where is Wingatha? Not here. <laughs> Tom Air looks to Iria to see if the same explanation will be given. I guess Iria looks at everyone and, and realizes that she's the one who's going to have to explain. So she turns to Danny and sadly says, Wingatha has gone on her own journey. Like, like death? But she's, she's like, she died or like, she, like to oh, heaven? No, like, no. Like to the outer <laughs> sphere? Oh my gosh. Or. No, I need, I need like a new way of saying this. It's not an innuendo. She's still alive. She's still kicking. She's she's really she's actually doing really really good. No, she's just uh she's doing her own thing. Aha! Uh -huh. With a bunch of ex vampires, it's it's complicated. Okay, I mean you you guys did hear when the queen was like, if you leave, I'll find you, etc. Like you guys heard that, right? Like I, is it? That's why I'm not being too specific. Okay, well, mm. guys, should we just say that she's dead? No, I wouldn't. I don't. <laughs> hey, hey, Iria. I just don't want the queen going after Wingatha. I, yeah, well, see, the thing is, that's going to happen anyway. Um, but the trick is, seriously, don't lie. Do not lie. Do not. Look into my eyes. Are you looking? You're just kind of looking around? No, and the uh, peeper, <laughs> hey, look at my peepers. Okay, I'm not going to lie. Seriously, it will not work out for you. Trust as me. As far as I know, last I spoke to Wingatha, she's alive. I don't know where she went. I don't know what she's doing. That's a lie. I don't even have mind control, but I know you just lied. <laughs> no, I really don't remember. She may have told me, but I don't remember. Gideon's going to shuffle past Danny and make her way towards the cottage. <laughs> <laughs> Danny sighs and gives you a big hug, like a big, super tight hug. And Ooh. then Danny. Gideon or Iria? Iria. Iria. Oh. Gives Iria a super tight hug. Okay, good. Yeah, doesn't want to kill Gideon with a hug. <laughs> And then looks at Tonrir and like holds out her arms like, eh? <laughs> well, let me roll real quick. Hold on. <laughs> oh. Tonrir doesn't even notice the gesture. He's staring blankly. He's tired. Danny leans into Iria and goes, is he okay? Uh, yeah, I think he's just having a moment. It's been a long moment, but I'm sure he'll come back. Damn, okay, all right, well, okay, let's. He didn't come back. <laughs> I just rolled for it again. Uh, he's like paying, he's passively paying attention to where everybody is just so he can shuffle along. But he's got the kind of thousand yard stare going on. Oh boy, okay. It was a rough day. Yeah, okay, let's, I mean, you guys need to go see the queen and that is important, but you guys look bad. So. 
let's go to my house and clean up and have some food. I'm sure she'll forgive you the wait. Uh, let's go. Gideon's further along the path. <laughs> Gideon, I think you're making a beeline straight for Danny's cottage, which you can see. And you guys see the chickens outside and flowers. She has sort of a cute little tended garden that was there last time. And you guys head that direction. And she says, okay, okay, okay. All right, so we're only going to be here for a little while, but thanks to Gideon, I have a new awesome bed for one of you guys. Probably not all of you guys. That would be a weird bad fit, I think, unless you stacked on top of each other. Uh, And I also have, and she does like jazz hands as you guys approach the garden. (laughs) And as you approach the garden, you see a big stone bathtub. It will not fit in her house because her house is really small, (laughs) but she has put a big stone bathtub in sort of the most beautiful part of the garden. It's surrounded by flowers and she claps her hands and says, it is so beautiful under the moonlight. You would not believe Gideon. As soon as Gideon saw it, she has started working the armor, the ice armor off and just stripping. Oh, she's getting naked. Okay. Well, (laughs) Gideon, you gave me way too much money. Now have a bath. (laughs) (laughs) that's right (laughs) how much did i give you i gave you 50 (laughs) 50 gold too much too much (laughs) that's not how much bed cost bed cost gideon it's a banana michael (laughs) what did it cost ten (laughs) dollars are you just playing are you just playing lucille (laughs) is that is that how you're characterizing gideon she does eye roll a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys are going to have a little a little chill, a little siesta before you go see the queen. What do you guys want to do? You're at Danny's place. She's got food. There's a garden. There's trees. There's a bathtub. I know what Gideon's doing. <laughs> you have about an hour. You'll have more time later. But right now you have like a little period of time to just sort of get your life together. Tonrir will see about just a... Um, small amount of food, make sure that there's something for Ruthuin, and he's going to just either uh, sit against a bush or get up into a tree, whatever's available, and just take a quick nap. Okay. Aria is also going to get some food, and then she's going to go see the chickens, but are the chickens, like, in an area where if I hang out, if Aria hangs out with them, is she going to have to, like, be in eyesight of Gideon? Uh, are you trying to be outside of eyesight of Gideon? Yeah, I just want to, like, give her her space, but also have my own chicken space. Chicken space. <laughs> Gideon is basically, like, meditating in this lovely bath. So the, the outside world is completely gone to her. It. I'm trying to figure out if Danny would have been able to enchant the tap or if she's, like, boiling water and pouring it into the bathtub. Um... <laughs> Do you have any like heat? Do you have any spells that can like assist with this? Do like, I have heating powers? No, I'm an ice elf. Okay. <laughs> Do you like cold baths? Um, <laughs> did she not equip it with like hot coals underneath to heat the water? Tell you what, Kaz, let's you and I create this bathtub together. What is it? <laughs> how does it work? What's it look like? Share the load with me. How, do, how does this bathtub work? Hmm. It just seems like it would fit because Vire has so much lava stuff. But there wouldn't happen to be like a hot spring ability, mm. would there? Like ability? Danny was, like, like, like Danny was like, "How now I have money, I can get people to dig in a hot spring. You know what? 
I really like hot spring. That like really jives with the like vire energy. I'm not or just like a like a like a stone paved kind of like a pool that's yeah. been dug into the ground, but it's being naturally heated because Okay. Of- Let's do it. Okay, so you show up and Danny's like, ta-da! And she's like, I had him dig this bath into the ground and it's naturally heated because of vire and hellmouths and stuff. But I don't have water in it yet because it's literally been 24 hours. You guys hunted vampires really fast. So <laughs> you got this built really fast, let's be honest. Oh, that is really fast. It's like magic. There are some perks to being um the handmaid. I can get stuff done real fast. It's kind of my job. But there's no water, so I guess I'm gonna go get some water. Hey uh holds up his hand to motion that he will offer something. Um, the ice armor is still on, correct? Yeah, I was saying that she would have worked it off. How much of it has come off? I have an idea, and I'm going to make it pretty. Yeah, I mean, as far as her working it off, Gideon was probably just trying to, for effect and for flavor, I suppose, she would have grown her claws Mm -hmm. and started tearing at the part that was already ripped off by Oberon. Mm. Gotcha. To try and just chip the rest away. So she's only gotten a little bit past the neck at this point. Gotcha. Tonware is going to motion for Gideon to come closer to the bathtub. He's going to be standing right in between Gideon and the stone bathtub. And he's going to, uh, do you come over, I'm guessing? Yeah, she walks over. Okay. He's going to put one hand on uh, the bracer part of the ice armor. And he's going to say, and what's going to happen is the ice is going to start turning to liquid water and it's going to trace along his arms across his chest and off the other arm and start going into the bathtub and he's going to use abstemiousness which creates something to be like a meal for a whole day instead of just for one meal and he's going to use that to multiply the water and fill up the tub and i'm guessing because there's a geyser underneath it it might start heating yeah. So like it's steaming already. Yeah. I think I think as soon as it comes off you and hits the bottom of that basin, it starts getting hot immediately. That's really cool problem solving. I love that. That's amazing. And then Gideon with the ice armor off of her just strips naked and steps right in, in view mm. of everybody. Tonrir again doesn't care. <laughs> that was that's an elf thing. Yep. So he's upon seeing that he will uh, depart with the food to uh, sit down and get a nap. Would Danny say anything since we're resetting? I think at this point, Danny came to expect it. <laughs> she's like, and she's naked again. <laughs> <laughs> and there we go. <laughs> and she's like clapping a little bit and, and she's like, oh, that was awesome. Okay, perfect. By the way, that armor was very ominous. You are a lot less scary without it. <laughs> you also look a lot more hurt without it. Do you want, can I help you? Gideon's already slipped into like a meditative resting state to try and recover, so mm. she doesn't respond. I was gonna ask if you could make the hot springs like a in Breath of the Wild, where it just magically heals you. <laughs> <laughs> now, so now, <laughs> now, so oh, Nix is here. What, <laughs> <laughs> Nix? <laughs> I've missed you so much. It's been two hours. <laughs> so. What's up with Gideon is that she has an intense amount of blood loss. So to really get better, what she needs is time. Mm. There's really, there's nothing that we can do. She's already at two out of two. There's nothing anybody can really do. 
over this this little hour, I'm gonna say you're able to to heal up one one point of constitution damage because it's so lovely. And I think that puts you back up to five hit points out of five. Mm. I think so. I think you're at five out of five at the end of this. So, so Gideon is having a nice little dip in the hot spring. What are you up to, Iria? Iria is hanging out with the chickens after she gets a bite to eat and playing a little bit on her drum. And I think eventually she kind of um, relaxes a bit and just falls asleep next to the chickens. Aw. Let's see. What does Danny make? Omelets. She makes you omelets. Afternoon omelets. Is it not nighttime? It's afternoon. Oh, it's afternoon. Okay. She makes you afternoon omelets for your afternoon schnooze. If you'll eat that. Will everybody eat that? Mm Mm-hmm. Yes. When Gideon comes out of meditation. Okay. I think she just puts yours on like a dish next to the hot tub and then leaves you be. Not a hot tub. It's a spa. A spa. (laughs) Sorry. The chickens are kind of everywhere. They have like a little hutch, but during the day they're out. So they're just like kind of running around her cottage. So you can nap anywhere and still have chickens. Nice. Yeah, I think she just curls up like next to their little hut. I like it. Tanra, what you up to? Tonrier will have taken the omelet, nommed at it a bit, and I'm going to say he's going to just sit on the ground against a tree, and Rothwin will be perched up above, and he's kind of half-eating, and then inevitably it just kind of nods off for, for a nap. Okay. Everybody's having a nap. And, and Pathfinder doesn't do short rests. That's not part of the mechanics, but we can just sort of say loosely that you guys are all in better shape when you wake up than you were when you went to bed. If we have to turn that into mechanics, we we can later. But I think sometimes when you guys were napping, Danny slips off and she goes and sort of checks in with the castle to sort of buy you guys some extra time because you're supposed to check in like immediately with the queen. But Danny is also kind of your guys's friend and she can see how unbelievably realistically exhausted you are and she wants to let you have a longer rest. So so she actually leaves you guys to sleep for quite a while. And I think Iria, she like kind of creeps up and puts a little blanket over you where you're sleeping. Aww. Gideon, you're you're good. You're in the hot tub. You're good. Not a hot tub. Right. It's a, it's a sauna. Spa. Tonrir, I think that you are the first one to wake up. Okay. What's going on? How you doing? Oh, it's another fantastic day. You know, we uh, were sitting in, in this neat little spot with a spa nearby. and <laughs> In the country of hell. In the country of hell, spawn of Satan, <laughs> pond of death. Um, <laughs> Tonrir is just shaking the cobwebs loose uh, and is attempting to you know, stand up, uh, finish whatever food he did have in front of him. I think as you're shaking your brain fog up, Danny comes over and... Uh, how tall are you, Tonner? Uh, Tonner, you're six one. Okay, okay. Danny's like somewhere in the zone of half your height, um, and she comes up and she's holding a little basket and she says, "Um, hey, Tonner, can I talk with you?" <clears throat> yes. Uh, where Where are we going to talk? I think she just sits down next to next to the tree that you were sleeping under. Do you Do you join her? Yeah, I'll sit back cross-legged and try to just have good posture so that way I start waking up. Okay. She reaches out and she touches a couple branches 
that like really, um, really sharp, jagged branches that were not there when you went to sleep. And she sort of touches it and goes, huh, you uh, wood shape in your sleep, huh? Tonrier wipes at his eyes a bit more and looks over toward the wood and squints at it for a second. And his eyes kind of look back and forth for a second, not suspiciously, but just kind of piecing it together. And he says, hmm, I guess I do. I, uh, I brought some strawberries. Uh, I grew them and they're really good if you want any. Mm, I will. I will, I will take a few. Thank you. Um, hey, I hope I'm not out of line checking in with you, but you guys obviously saw some shit out there, and you were pretty much the most serious person I've ever met last time I saw you, and it's like 500% worse today. So I'm assuming that something really bad happened. Tonrier is, he takes that breath in and he's like, you can see that he's debating whether or not he's actually going to feign ignorance or actually divulge what's going on. And it's probably going to be hard to tell, but uh, he's going to attempt a bluff and say that, uh, no, it's just, it's just exhaustion. I am. Yes, we were in a very odd place and we were very close to death but i'm 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 just tired roll roll bluff six (laughs) all right i'm gonna roll against you but i think i got you beat oh yeah you done for okay i think danny kind of looks at you and she tilts her head a little and she says um hi all right it's it's okay if you don't want to talk about it. It's okay if you never want to talk about it. I just, I'm going to talk about some, I guess, completely unrelated stuff. And uh, if it happens to relate to something you may or may not be telling me, that's fine. And she settles in and she munches on a couple strawberries and she looks a little more serious. Like Danny's always really chipper, right? Um, and I think you see her look Kind of serious and sad for the first time. And she nibbles on the end of a strawberry and she says, um, I, um, I also have had some really bad stuff happen. Um, and it made it really hard to enjoy life at all for a long time. Cause like, who was I to enjoy anything in a world that could be so bad? Um, it felt irreverent, you know, like laughing at a funeral or something. But I think the truth is we deserve to enjoy things, especially when everything is bad. Hang in there, okay? Tonrir takes a deep breath and he relinquishes a little bit and just... With that exhale, he slumps forward a little bit, losing some of that rigidity that he was trying to maintain in his posture. And he says, when we went up against Oberon, I had a memory thrown in my face that I had worked to bury for so many decades. 
It's going to take a bit to bury it once more, so that way I can resume what I know I'm meant to do. I think she watches you, and she is a little, little tiny thing. But she looks at you very seriously, and then with sort of (laughs) an incredible level of determination, she scoots over and gives you like a just rib-crushing hug. (laughs) Tonrare, for the first time in probably a little while, shows some uh, humanity and just simply puts the arm around and just kind of squeezes back a little bit and says, thank you. And he's, as he's holding one of the pieces of fruit, he calls up and he says, Ruthwin, and holds up the, is it strawberry? Mm-hmm. For Ruthwin to come and check out. I think he does. He comes down and he, do owls eat strawberries? I don't know. That's a great question because I couldn't. Do owls eat strawberries? Well, it's actually a search. It was, <laughs> owls, do owls eat fruit? No. Okay. Your owl does not. <laughs> okay. Normal owls don't eat strawberries, but I think your owl has the habit of like, not necessarily eating everything you eat, but wanting to check it out. Mm -hmm. And I think he does. I think he comes down and he lands and he takes a little nibble of the strawberry. And I think, I think you and Danny just rest there for a while eating strawberries until the other two wake up. At some point during this, Tonrir is going to uh, look at Danny and say, is there in this castle or otherwise nearby a keep of records? I think she looks at you and then she looks down and she bites her lip and she takes a minute and you can see her thinking. And she says very carefully, yes, there is. How do I, hmm, hold on. And she thinks for a minute. There is a keep of records. And it is accessible to everyone. However. It is important to remember. That history. Can be. Changed. She gets up and wanders off. And as she's starting to get up, she clears her throat and she says very softly, But if you ask the right people, if you ask the most powerful people, they will know. And then she wanders off. Okay. Um, Now that that dialogue is done, I'm sending y'all with the search result that I got for Al strawberries. And <laughs> yes, calm, chill the mood back out. What would you find? Uh, oh, well, I will let you all have a look and laugh first. <laughs> oh, no. And then I will describe oh to our gosh. audience. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. For those who are not aware, there are images that popped up. Of wait, wait, wait. First, Google Al strawberries. Yes. We'll wait. We will wait. 
For those of you who are unable or unwilling to do a search at the moment, what pulled up for us and all of those that did participate <laughs> were strawberries that are upside down with chocolate on the top with cottage cheese and little raisins or something to make the strawberries look like owls. It's and it is probably the cutest food I have seen <laughs> at least sure. this year. I don't know that I could eat these. I think this is too right? cute. <sighs> Thank you. That was the palate cleanser I needed. <laughs> yep. I will owe you later for it. This is your GM, Dre Silvertooth, and welcome to episode 21 of Bad Heroes, part one of the interlude, The Return to Vire. This was a really fun, roleplay-heavy episode, and I think there's going to be a lot of that during the interlude, which will probably span three or four episodes in Vire, so I hope you are enjoying it. Music in this episode includes a lot of songs we've used before, uh, and they are back for round two because they are just that good. We have Mercy by Kai Engel, Darkest Child by Kevin MacLeod, and Fog by Sergei Chiramisinov. Our theme song, as always, is Solve the Damn Mystery by Jesse Spillane. <sighs> okay, so on to more serious subjects. You may have noticed that we skipped publishing an episode earlier this month, and we did that to leave space for more important conversations going on right now and to use our small platform to elevate the voices of the Black community who experienced horrendous systemic racism. And hey, it's 2020, and I honestly cannot believe this still needs to be said, but Black lives matter. Black voices matter. So in case it wasn't perfectly clear, our podcast is an inclusive space, and we absolutely support the fight for equal rights and equal representation. On a more personal level, we are offering free help with web design, audio editing, and or setting up an online shop to Black podcasters and artists. If that's you, and you'd like a hand with any of the above, please reach out to us at our email or our Twitter. We can be found at badheroescast at gmail.com or badheroescast on Twitter. And if you are not in a good space to reach out right now, there's no rush. We are not putting an expiration date on this offer. It's not much, but it's the skills we've got and we hope it can be useful to someone. And hey, while I am already making some people mad by telling the truth, <laughs> trans women are women. Trans men are men. And as a trans person, I'm here to tell you that if you can't get on board with that, then I'm going to need you to kindly fuck off. This show is meant to be a place where people can come for laughs, and most of the time it's very gentle. We try to keep a light and happy mood for everybody. But 2020 has been a nightmare. And it is more important that people of color and trans people listening to the show know that we're on their team. That is more important right now than maintaining the 24-7 chuckles. Whew, what a mid-up. All right, friends, back to the story. I hope it brings you joy and I hope it brightens your day. Our next episode should be out on the 1st of July. I hope to see you then.
Gideon, Iria, time mm-hmm. to wake up. The sun is actually going down. Like, it's starting to be dusk. Danny let you guys have, like, a real long schnooze. 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 And it's dusk now. So, yeah, Gideon would get out of um, the the water and just kind of take her time, stretch, and maybe eat the egg that was placed there however long ago. <laughs> and then... Still naked? Yeah, she's not in any rush to get dressed, especially not in clothes that are kind of dirty and bloody now that she's feeling clean and refreshed. Ah, uh, all of your other clothes are at Danny's house. Okay, yeah, she's still not in any rush to, like, get in there and get dressed. She's just kind of like, she doesn't care about being naked, so. Great. Good. Fan art opportunities. Um, <laughs> so Ta- so, so Tanner is having, like, a very serious sort of painful process, and then Gideon just starts walking around naked, but it's just what elves do, so. Well, she's not really walking around. Just chilling. She just got out of the water, ate her egg. Stretched a little and then looked around to see if there was anything that she needed to do. Iria, are you still schnoozling? No, I think Iria woke up because it's dusk now, which is one of her favorite times of the day. Mm. And is like getting a little bit of energy and kind of stretching out in the grass with the chickens and playing around with them. Okay, awesome. I think Danny has like chicken toys. It's usually not like a collaborative process. You like put chicken toys on the side of the hutch, then they sort of play with themselves. But I think like some of them might also be interesting to Iria. It's like mirrors and like (laughs) jingly things. So it's becoming a collaborative process (laughs) as you and the chickens play with the toys. And uh, you guys are you guys are all awake. Tonrier is uh, after he gets done having this conversation with Danny is going to give a nod of appreciation toward Danny and stand up, taking another big breath in. He'll go over. He, upon approach, will look at Iria and say, "How are you feeling?" Um, I'm. I mean, I'm good. It's like a mix of relief and sadness. You know, the the good old emotions. How are you feeling? Uh, The rest did me well enough. I have some things that I have to process after having been in that castle. But with due time, it will happen. He looks over and he sees the chickens and the toys. And then he looks back to Iria and says, Are you playing with the chickens? The toys or both? I'm not playing with anything. I don't play <laughs> games. What do, you, what do you think I am, a child? Right. She, she like, hits one of the toys. <laughs> <laughs> right. Absolutely. You are completely mature and well thought out. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> While this is happening, Gideon's going to just kind of make her way. Is Danny's hut, like, like, it's open? It's not locked, the door? It's open, yeah. She's puttering in and out. Okay. Uh, Gideon's just going to make her way inside. Okay. Tonmer gives a look over here and says, but physically, are you okay? Oh, you didn't care about how I felt. Oh, uh, physically, yeah, I'm good, I think. Yeah, sleep was good. 
Good. And at this point, he's going to say it with a ribbing tone and say, you'll feel better with less doors that you open. And then he'll turn around to walk <laughs> off. Uh, Gids, are you just checking in on Danny? No. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> Why would you do that? Gideon walks right by Danny and just starts rummaging through her luggage. You walk in and, and Danny's like, oh, hey, how was it? Did you enjoy that? And you just fucking walk right by her. And she goes, yeah, okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you're rummaging around. What you doing? Um, just looking for an appropriate outfit. Yeah, I mean, you tell me what's in your luggage, but I think I think you have it. While Gideon is rummaging through her luggage for the perfect outfit, Iria is going to come in. Where is uh, did Tanmir go into? Uh, Tanmir just kind of wandering about, wandering the garden. Kind of, it's yeah. beautiful. It's lovely, especially this time of day. Yeah. So Iria gets up from playing with the chickens and walks over to Danny's hut and goes in and just kind of looks around, kind of expectantly looking at the decor and then walks up to Danny. Hey. Hi. <laughs> you sleep okay? Yeah, I slept okay. How'd you sleep? Did you sleep? I mean, no, it's the middle of the day. <laughs> <laughs> I just kind of watched over you guys while you slept. Uh-huh. Yeah, and I think uh, Gideon's in the corner rummaging around and Danny sits down at her her little table in the middle of the room. Which is small for you, but you are you fit in this house better than anybody else in the party because you are small also. Yeah, I think I'm like four foot something. Yeah, I think Danny's smaller than you, but not by a ton. Uh, I think Iria was going to ask Danny if if she has like any libations, libations, <laughs> drinks. It's that time of the day, folks. <laughs> well, I was I was thinking like Iria was going to. Um, I was going to suggest that we all, like, sit down and, like, have a toast to Wingatha. Mm. No emotions. No emotions in my game. No feels. <laughs> no. I think you say that, and Danny, like, basically flips the table and, like, scampers off to go find just such a thing. I'm trying to think of what she would what she would have. Iria's going to ask for milk. Oh, my God. Awesome. Okay. <laughs> okay. I think Danny pokes her head out the door and says, Tanrier! Mm. Toast. We're toasting. Come toast. Uh, oh, oh, okay. And then he walks in. When everybody assembles, what they find at the table is a bottle of milk, a bottle of mead, and some fruit juice, and a bunch of glasses. So this was not a choice. Like Gideon <laughs> just got forced over to the table. Well, you're not at the table. You're still digging around. But Danny's going to try to get you to toast with them. But you could say no. You have autonomy <laughs> to be an asshole. She's just not paying attention. <laughs> She's completely focused on digging through her bags. Okay. I think if Tonrir and Iria have assembled, have you guys assembled? Yes, mm -hmm. we are the Avengers. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Uh, Danny goes, Gideon, toast. No, I don't care for toast. Thank you. No, not to eat toast. Like to make a toast, like for Wingatha, because she's somewhere that nobody can tell me. I drink a drink, juice. Tonrir staring pointedly at, at Gideon. She's going to come over. Wait a minute. She's still naked. Yes. <laughs> uh huh. She's going to come over and say, "I." 
I already told her I would remember her. I don't know what more this is, is needed. This, this is remembering her. You remember her by having a toast. Remembering is an active action, not a passive action, Gideon. <laughs> I've already remembered her. I don't need to remember her more. <laughs> that's not how remembering works. <laughs> she picks up a glass that's empty. <laughs> no, you can't. That's bad luck. You have to put something in it. This is just gonna, I'm just going to be, dra- every time you're here, it's just going to be dragging you, kicking and screaming, isn't it? <laughs> she just blankly looks and then, still holding the glass, just points it at Danny and says, Mead. I'm not a serve. All right, we're going to work on this, you and I. And she, she pours some mead into your glasses and then says, uh, Iria? Yes. What do you, what do you, eh? and like points at all the, this is really what now. Okay. I have a question. This is me, the DM. I have a question. What is it about playing a tabletop game that makes completely functional adults forget how to have conversations? What is it about? It's called role playing. I mean, in your case, I, it makes sense. I suppose. Anyway, what did, all right. What did you want? Toast, toast, toast. I'm turning into Danny as I shout toast, toast, toast. <laughs> And uh, Danny hands you a glass and Tonrir a glass, and she pours fruit juice into her glass and uh, invites you guys to fill your glasses. Tonrir's going to also pour in some meat. And uh, he will uh, hold up the glass, waiting for everybody else. Did Danny pour my glass? Yep, Danny poured your glass. Okay. Uh, I'll put a, a little milk in my cup. Okay, great. I think Danny holds up her glass and says... Um, well, opens her mouth and then goes, well, one of you guys should do it. Tonware will look briefly between the others and, well, looks at Gideon for a moment and goes, thinks, no, that won't happen. And then looks at Iria for a second uh, to gauge. The no, when, when Tonware looks at Gideon, Gideon looks right back at him and, and then raises her glass because she's trying to get this over with so she can go back to what she was doing. But she raises her glass and goes... Naked Gideon raises her glass. <laughs> raises her glass and stares at Tonrir and says, Wingatha, she wasn't terrible. <laughs> Tonrir purses his lips for a second and then says, mm, I suppose you're right. Here's to her. <laughs> and- Wait, no, no. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> No, Aria puts up her her glass and is like, I think she she like chokes up a little bit and gets a little emotional and she's like, Wingatha, no words will ever do any justice, but we wish you well on your journey. Cheers. Tonrir nods and says, her journey starts below the earth. Here's to her sprouting and growing from it. That was beautiful, Tonrir. Aria wipes a tear. I think I think at this point Danny and Iria are like arm in arm swaying, even though they have had like not a drop of alcohol. <laughs> they're just like swaying back and forth together. You guys each said something, so Danny just shouts, Twingatha! Twingatha. Twingatha. So Gideon downs her mead and then walks away. <laughs> Tonrir is gonna look at the glass that is now resting on the table that uh, Gideon set down and just do a and Clack it with cheers and then drink the rest of his mead. 
<laughs> Danny, Danny toasts with everybody, including Gideon's static glass. <laughs> <laughs> you guys have a toast to Wingatha, and then I think you guys kind of put yourself together. Danny's saying, "Okay, you know, now we really do have to go to the castle. We have, we have to. Do, we were supposed to do that like hours ago, but you know." I appreciate the effort that you've put forth in allowing us what time you could afford to get us recovery. That is greatly appreciated, but yes, we should probably not delay the queen any further. All right. Aria downs her milk and slaps it on the table and is ready to go because she didn't take any clothes off. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I think Danny uh, comes over and pulls a couple chicken feathers out of your fur and sort of <laughs> sort of smooths you out a little bit. Okay, all right. Gideon, you ready? So everybody looks to Gideon, who was naked a second ago. How curious. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have conjure clothing? Yeah, that thought might have <laughs> passed through. Um, so yeah, Gideon has finished rummaging through all the luggage that was left behind at Danny's house. And she is now dressed in, uh, silver and gray, dark gray pants with high boots that, um, are beneath a long fitted tunic that is also dark gray with silver accents. And the tunic has, um, a kind of intimidating high necked collar with, uh, pointed shoulders as well. Danny holds up her fingers like she's like framing you in it and says, hell yeah. Tomra will uh, give an, a nod of approval. What I call the Captain Kirk nod of approval. Hmm. You probably know which one I'm talking about. It's that. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll uh, start working his way outside. All right. So you guys all gear up and get ready. And after your little nap, you follow Danny outside of her cottage and through the castle grounds to head inside the far more intimidating stone and steel castle. These are all places you've been before. Danny leads you through that vast entryway and down those long, twisting corridors that are lined with suits of armor. And you enter once again into that great throne room. And you guys take in the throne room. It has red silk banners that are hung on black obsidian walls. And you all feel instantly a little warm because there's lava bubbling through channels on the walls and in the flooring. And there are those same 20 or so suits of armor that are lining the walls that have old blood splattered on them. And towards the front of the room, there is that impossibly big snake skeleton that is curled around the stairs, which lead up to the throne. Gideon shudders a little at seeing the snake again and then just kind of reaches down and fiddles with uh, her tunic has, it's like long sleeved and the cuffs kind of have that sliver of fabric that goes up and then a ring of fabric goes around her middle finger. So it's kind of mm. stretched across her hand and she just reaches down and fiddles with that to try and not think about the snake. It's the, it's the fantasy fidget cube. Yes. I think Iria uh, looks around and forgot how intimidating this castle was and then looks at Gideon and is like, damn it, I should have changed. And then goes into her bag and puts on her mask that she used at the ball. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't that give you an ability? Yes. <laughs> well, it, it, the glamour's wearing off. It makes me feel pretty. <laughs> it's a temporary glamour. You don't get this forever. But it, it does give you 
you get to roll twice on performance checks and take the better number. <laughs> Amazing. Okay. Wow. So there, uh, you see this room that you've been in before. And at the front of the room on the throne is Queen Saphira. And she looks like she's fighting off a really persistent headache. And to her left is Zira, the Fury, who is wearing heels and has those big black angel wings. And to her right is Talgron, that terrifying ice demon. And as you guys enter that throne room, Dreska, that enormous hellhound that you fought last time you were here, leaps in one fell swoop down the stairs that lead up to the throne and towards you. Tonrare is going to just shuffle his right foot behind his left foot just to have expose minimal body uh, laterally, but does nothing else. Yeah, I think Iria's uh, like fur stands up on end, but she's kind of like frozen, waiting to see what happens. Gideon was too focused on her hands and probably bumped into Tonrare when he stopped. Mm, okay. Dreska lands near you guys and approaches you, teeth bared, and you can see those flames, the flames of hell, are alight in her chest. But after sniffing each one of you thoroughly and doing a few circles, she turns and pads back up to stand beside the throne. Nice. Yeah, Tonra is going to approach. It's at this point that uh, Ruthoin is going to take up residence uh, somewhere within the throne room as well. I'm just kind of on overwatch. But Tonrir will uh, approach to the the base of the stairs and then kneel down, right knee down, and lower his head. Cool. Gideon follows behind him but does not kneel. Aria relaxes a little and steps forward and kneels as well. Okay. Danny comes along and Danny sweeps a, a really low bow and says, <clears throat> My queen, they're here. And you guys see her blink and look up and sort of uh, rub her forehead one more time. Hmm. Is there insight in this game? What is it called? Uh, perception. Is it perception? Isn't there something for like- Like a sense motive? Roll, roll sense motive, everybody. Okay. I have a 20. Oh, okay. 13. Iria uh, rolled a two plus five, so seven. Okay. Tonra, Iria, I think you guys are busy. You know, you guys are sort of kneeling and you guys are in kind of more difficult positions. Gideon, you're standing uh, and you're looking right at her. And as she looks up, it takes her a minute to focus on you. It takes her a minute to see you. She is She is really, really hurting. But no sooner does she sort of shake it off that she puts a smile on her face that sort of sinister smile. And she looks she looks like nothing's wrong a second later. And as she looks down at you, you guys hear, Bravo, you've done it. And with extra credit, no less. Color me impressed. Tonmir is going to uh, stand up, but keep his head low. He's He has his hood up, so his eyesight is not reaching up to see her, and he uh, simply says, thank you. Gideon says nothing and just continues coldly staring at her. 
Iria gets up and looks like very proud and waves at the queen. <laughs> of course. I think uh, Zira, the Fury, he's that like really beautiful, scantily clad demon that's to the side of her. He smiles at you, Iria. <laughs> <laughs> and the queen says, um, Tassir, come. And Tonrir, that little orange and red snake, pokes out of your hood. Mm. Um, he's going to kneel down and put his left hand on the stairs so that the snake can just make its way. Nice. Okay. The snake, who you know is now called Tassir, slithers down your arm and slithers across the stone floor and up those stairs. And the queen turns so that you guys can now see her bare back. She's wearing a dress that, that cuts down very low. And the snake climbs her body effortlessly. <laughs> Sorry, I had, to, I had to check to make sure that I could do a will saving throw for seeing the snake and I'm fine. Oh, I see. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, the snake climbs her body and aligns himself over her spine before sinking into her and becoming a stylized snake tattoo again. And Queen Saphira turns back to face you, staring blindly at the room because her eyes are faintly glowing as if she's in a trance. And she spends several minutes in this trance. And then she blinks and she smiles. Well, got into all kinds of trouble, didn't we? You are all far more impressive than I realized. That final blow, Gideon, was a treat to see. Gideon says nothing. Though I see Wingatha has decided she needn't return. Dreska, go see if you can track her down. I'm afraid you won't be able to, but we did promise to try and kill her if she ran away. And that hellhound lets out this deafening bark. And in front of the hellhound, a portal opens. And you guys see just an instant of sand, of just empty dunes in every direction. And then the hellhound leaps through it. The portal closes and Dreska is gone. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. <laughs> did Iria actually say, oh, no? I think she did a little bit under her breath. <laughs> But uh, you guys do know that Nick said that it would work even against hellhounds. So mm -hmm. I don't even think you need a perception check for this. There was that cage in the corner of the room, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Those two vampires that you sent through are in that cage. That's where they are. So there they are. They're in this room with you. And the queen says, well, three out of four returning was more than I expected anyway. I can't say I'm upset. There is only one Cytherian eye in all the world, so don't hold your breath for the same luck again. We're in this together now, you and I. One curse down and two to go. Tonrir looks up and kind of uh, tilts his head at the, uh, the counts of the curse. And it clearly makes a mental note of it, but opts to say nothing. I think Iria's kind of mulling over the fact that we're in this together means we're unwilling servants to her. Oh, we have been. This has been the get-go. <laughs> I think she's just now understanding. <laughs> Bless Iria. <laughs> she's like, what a fun adventure. Oh, wait. Oh, drat. 
<laughs> oh shit, this is mandatory? Oh no. <laughs> yeah, Gideon Gideon is just she's very angry. She's not stupid enough to like, you know, insult the queen straight to her face, but she does not like her. She's very angry at the fact that she almost died. Mm-hmm doing this stupid mission that to her seems pointless. And she just doesn't think that this is how a true leader would run their kingdom. Hmm. Are you trying to hide any of this on your face or no? No, she's like pretty defiantly and angrily staring at the queen, she just won't say anything. Okay. Pretty much all her energy is going into biting her tongue. I think you're looking at her, and you have this strange sensation as she turns her eyes on you. You have this strange sensation as she looks at you very intensely that maybe your thoughts are not as secret as you think. And I think she gives you a smile, a very not friendly smile, and she steps down the stairs towards you. And she's watching you, Gideon, with just unblinking eyes. And the closer she gets to you, the more you realize that and you've seen it before, but you're seeing it in HD now. Her pupils are snake-like slits, and her eyes are yellow. And as she approaches you, you realize that this woman, this woman is a snake. Ooh. So give me, give me a saving throw. <laughs> Base bonus is three, so it would be 23. Wow, okay. So I think you're looking at this woman and as she approaches you, actually, you might be surprised in the way that people often are surprised to realize that very powerful people um, are shorter than them. <laughs> and <laughs> as, she, as she comes down the steps and comes right up to you, she is shorter than you by quite a bit. But that doesn't do anything to damper the intimidation factor. And as you look into her eyes, those snake eyes, you are afraid. But even though you are afraid, you are able to keep glaring at her. And as she approaches you, she looks you up and down very slowly and starts circling you. And she says, You know, you asked my advisors when we first met if we'd heard of the Grey Frosts. And it rang a bell. But I couldn't put my finger on why. Then I remembered. Why Greyfrost sounds familiar. And she stops to stand directly in front of you and make eye contact. The Greyfrosts are a lineage with delusions of grandeur. So before you think about how I run my kingdom, maybe you should ask yourself why you don't have one. Um. Oh no. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, that was a bad roll. Okay, Gideon. I was trying to see what Gideon would do. I got five hit points. 
Yeah, you do. <laughs> it's better than two, but not by much. But not by much. I mean, for all we know, Gideon might die right here and right now. Yeah, that's also possible. <laughs> Congratulations, you survived a castle despite cold shooting a vampire with a crossbow in the stomach. <laughs> Do you learn a lesson? We'll see. <laughs> we'll find out here shortly. It is, that is the problem with pride, isn't it? Yep. <laughs> <sighs> All right. Hi. I'm terrified. What, what are you doing? <laughs> so she's at hearing that, at hearing her criticize how her family has run their nation. Now, to be clear, you're, the Grey Frost, like, it, it is a part of Vire. Mm-hmm. Your nation, like you guys may consider yourself a sovereign nation. Yeah, you? but it's, oh, it's, yeah, it's under the control of, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's like, she's heard stories of the time when the Grey Frosts ruled and their own, you know, they, they didn't have to listen to anybody. They didn't have any other governing body telling them what to do. And she knows that at some point after the um, traumatic thing that happened in her childhood, I don't know if I should say that. That's fine. That's, that's, that's good. I've said there was there was an original silver scale and that something bad happened there and you guys are not there anymore. Yeah, so so she knows about the history of that happening and then of her her home being put under the control of the rule of this person who's standing in front of her. And for this snake, something that she already does not like to insult her that way and to insult her family and insult her home. She is infuriated and still does not say anything, but grows her claws. Hmm. I think the queen looks at your claws and she looks at you and she starts to smile. And then all of a sudden, she looks like she's distracted. And she holds up a finger to illustrate that she's listening very hard. Everybody give me a perception check. Uh, 21. 19. 20, non-natural. Okay. That's not quite enough for any of you guys to see it. So you see her hold up her finger. You see her start to listen. She's very close to all of you. And she says very softly, Zira. We have unexpected company. And then so fast, just lightning fast, you guys see something come flying out from behind one of those big decorative vases and land squarely in Safira's stomach. It's a knife. And next to you, Danny screams. Was Danny with us the whole time? Yeah. Okay. Because <laughs> if that was Danny, like I would be impressed. <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> no. Oh, man. No, Danny is with you guys, and she, like, she screams instantly and looks absolutely terrified. And a second knife comes almost immediately after the first, directly at Safira's face. But she steps aside just in time. And you can actually see that knife hit an invisible barrier that protects the throne. Mm-hmm. She stepped down away from the throne and off of the top level to confront you, Gideon. So you guys see this happening. You, Everybody, give me an initiative roll just to see if you're like even a player in what's about to happen. 
21 with initiative bonus. Okay. Uh, 18. 13. Okay, so before you can react, Gideon, because Gideon had the best initiative roll, all at once, stuff gets really intense. Zira launches himself into the air, beating those huge black wings. And Talgron, that ice demon, he opens up his mouth and he screams. And he screams so loud that you think that your eardrums might shatter. And at the edges of the room, 20 suits of armor come to life and charge forward with their weapons drawn. Oh, shit. Come on, we can take them. No, we can't. (laughs) (laughs) They charge forward towards the queen, like they're attacking the queen? Or are they fighting for the queen? They appear to be fighting for the queen. They are charging towards that vase. Okay. Gideon, you have time to react. I don't think anybody else does. So uh, is the queen still right next to me? She is, yeah. She, okay. Once again, I'm so scared. Mm-hmm. God damn it. She is doing a lot of things that I would not think that she would do. You could overrule it. You can't overrule the dice. Okay. All right. <laughs> I will remind you of that when the dice kill Gideon. <laughs> I mean, I'm not I'm not going to argue if Gideon dies, she dies. Oh my god. Okay, what are you doing? You're giving me so much anxiety. What are you doing? Um She's going to see that there is an unknown third party that is now attacking the queen, but because there's still so much she doesn't know about the entire situation and what what they're doing here and what the queen's going to do, and because they're still technically under servitude, Gideon's going to grimace like she really hates to do this. But she's going to reach a hand out and touch the queen and cast mage armor. Nice. Wow. Okay. Damn. All right. You touched a snake. <laughs> you, touched, you touched it. And then she'll make a wheel save. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> hey, Gideon? Eh. I don't I don't think you're scared of snakes anymore. You're you're scared of them? Still, but I don't think you have that mechanic. Like, I think that mechanic is gone. Still exists for spiders, though, huh? Still exists for spiders, <laughs> yes. But you don't, you don't have a penalty when you deal with snakes. I think in this encounter, you have done so well. I, I think if you face down this person that is basically the queen of snakes, and it's not like you're, you know, fighting her to the death or killing her or anything, but you looked at her, and right now, by choosing to help her in this moment, like, you're kind of treating her a little bit like an equal, I don't think you have that mechanic anymore. I think it's gone. Yay. Okay, so you touch the queen and you cast mage armor on her. And I think she looks at you in surprise for just an instant. And then all of you guys are able to sort of follow the action to the other side of the room. Yep. And you guys are able to just barely make out a figure who is almost perfectly blended in to their surroundings, like as if by magic. They are blending in as if they are a chameleon as they run through this room. And they look like obsidian. That's how well blended in they are. And this person has started, has like thrown themselves at the wall and begun to climb it to get away from that horde of armored guardians. And they are ripped bodily off the wall by Zira and thrown into that horde of 20 
living suits of armor. And you can't see what happens because there are so many suits of armor. But when the suits of armor dispel, there is no assassin anymore. Whoever was there is gone. Like, not a choice? Not a trace. Hmm. And you guys watch those suits of armor dispassionately return to their posts at the side of the room. I know what queen I'm not messing with. <laughs> Good choice! <laughs> you, were, you were in love with her from day one. <laughs> that was never going to be an issue. <laughs> and there's a little pause. And Safira takes a long breath. And Danny actually, um, I think that Danny was next to you, Tanmir and Iria. And she, after this calms down, she actually starts to rush towards Safira, looking incredibly worried. But the queen holds up a hand and Danny stops. And Safira pulls the knife out of her stomach and drops it to the floor. Tanmir, give me a nature check. I don't know why I keep putting my dice back. I just, I'm keeping <laughs> things neat. Uh, I'm rolling pretty well tonight. Uh, 22. Okay. I think that's enough. So you see, dripping from this knife, black lotus extract. Huh. Okay. It's a poison that can kill on contact. And it's commonly used by professional assassins. And I think as you see that, Saphir is walking back up the steps towards her throne, and she sighs and reclines on one of the arms of her throne and crosses her arms and says, oh, Well, it appears I accidentally double-booked myself. <laughs> My mistake. <laughs> I think Iria's jaw is just like, what? <laughs> um... Tonwer would, uh, noticing the poison, yes, did Safira take the knife back with her or did she leave it on the ground? She left it on the ground. Uh, I want to glance at that too, see what the knife is. It is a silver throwing knife. Okay. Interesting choice. Tonwer, during this entire foray, had taken his, his bow. It wasn't confiscated upon entry, right? Uh, no. Mm-mm. Okay, so he had taken his bow, but he hadn't pulled anything from the quiver to defend because it all happened so quickly. He's going to sling his bow back and very slowly, just in case somebody doesn't want him to get close to it, he's actually going to approach the knife and take a look at it as well as the uh, as the poison. I think Danny like quickly holds up her hand and says, bup, 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 bup. and Safira says, it's all right, you can have it. <laughs> Bonus. <laughs> <laughs> the sick loot. <laughs> yeah. I think she actually like reaches out and with the toe of her boot, she actually kicks the other knife that missed her and landed around the throne. She actually kicks it down the stairs towards you. Okay. Tonwer will, because uh, he's he's Mr. Safety, will wait for the knife to stop before he tries to grab it. <laughs> Lest he lose any more hit points. So he's going to grab the clean knife first and kind of scrape the poison off of the other knife and lift it to examine it to see that it is indeed black lotus poison. He, I'm going to guess, knows where typically black lotus grows. Yes? 
Yes, and you can make that up because I don't know. Cool. <laughs> so he's going to look at that, and then he's going to... Ooh, does he have a vial in his inventory? <laughs> hmm. No, he does not. Okay, well, he's just going to work his best on covering the knives. He's got like a part of a bedroll. He's just going to take some cloth from that and wrap the knives so that way he can make sure the poison is properly uh, taken off the knife later and it may try to save some of the poison just for general use. Mm -hmm. And then he's going to collect knives and he's going to turn to the queen and he will glance up finally from underneath his hood and say, well, it appears that the queen, of course, has very powerful enemies. I'm curious. What keeps them from stopping us? I think she tilts her head at you and she says, Last time we spoke, I promised you could ask me one question. Only one. Is that really what you want to know? Tonra grits his teeth and he shakes his head. But if... The queen will permit. I would like to ask it. It's a bold move, Cotton. <laughs> I, th I think she drums her fingers on the side of her throne for a minute and says, hmm. <laughs> hmm. What keeps them from stopping you? What keeps them from bothering you? <laughs> Instead of asking that question, perhaps you should ask, how they would possibly know who you are. How they would possibly know that three outsiders to the capital are a problem. Tonrir uh, will repost with that and say, there are clearly ears everywhere, and if there was one in your throne room, that may become very apparent to other interested parties. And that is part of why I will ask that while we put together your next mission, you stay in the capital city where I can keep an eye on you. There are eyes and ears here, of course, but most of them work for me. Tom Rear nods and, uh, and concedes that and understands the logic behind it and opts to say nothing further, uh, backing down from steps uh, back to where he was prior. Iria looks up and says, are we going to get any other like weapons or something to help? I mean, we all like almost died and it sounds like every other group that went has not come back. Is there any like a, other protection or weapons that we can for our like next mission? Now that you have proven yourselves to not just be riffraff, yes. When you're ready for your next mission, Danny will take you, not just to a shed, but to the actual armory of Vire, and you can help yourselves. Surely that's not your question. Uh, I know if I can ask another one. Tonrir kind of just closes his eyes in an almost grimace and stays silent. <laughs> she taps her foot on the ground and she says, Ugh, I thought this was going to be fun. I mean, no one 
gets to ask me a question. Everything here, hmm. You have to take information in Vire with a grain of salt. Very few people have this opportunity, and I see that the two of you would like to use it on, hmm, small things. Ah, <laughs> uh, buds. <laughs> what did you roll? <laughs> Gideon's still fuming. Gideon's still angry. And her claws are still out, and she's looking up at the queen. Oh, no. <laughs> through everything else that has gone on, and she kind of has tears in her eyes. And she just suddenly, like, almost interrupting the queen, just blurts out, What do you know of the fall of Silverscale? Hmm. Tonrare looks back uh, over his shoulder. To finally see the state of emotion and is curious. Hmm. Strange question, but fair is fair. If that is what you most desire to know, out of all the knowledge in Vire, then so be it. Silverscale. Was it a country? A city? And Gideon clears her throat and kind of hastily wipes away the tears at her eyes. And looks straight back at the queen and says, Silver Scale was a small nation north of here. Not as north as it is now. But when I was young, about 90 years ago, something happened. And I know now my once proud nation has been absorbed into fire. So what happened? Hmm. I think she tilts her head and drums her fingers and says, I don't know off the top of my head, but if it was 90 years ago, then that was my grandmother's time. The records, the true records, exist with me. I can find out. You'll be hearing from me before you go out on your next mission. Gideon gives a very slight nod. All right. Well, I think that's all of our business. Well done. I am impressed. When we're ready, I will let you know. Until then, you may do whatever you like in the capital city. All of your accommodations will be covered. You may eat anything, stay anywhere. Enjoy the arts. The capital, our capital, <laughs> it is the best place in the world. Tomir will... Nod uh, once more and give a low bow, and he will call up Ruthuin to call the owl back to him. Gideon's going to turn and very pointedly and hastily walk out where they came in because she's, one, still angry, and two, just embarrassed by her outburst of emotion. Iria mm. mm -hmm. uh, is kind of like, thinking back on the the castle and everything that happened and remembered that map, the really old map. And she's like... The really old map you found in Oberon's castle, right? Right, yeah, that showed the world before Vire took up most of it. Is that correct? Yeah, it showed it showed the, the area around Vire a hundred years ago. And, and what you saw from that map is that Vire used to be a lot smaller. 
Okay. And Iria kind of under her breath is going to be like, it's pretty much the only place in the world. So <laughs> she starts walking out with everyone. Okay. Yeah, I think as you guys are walking out, Danny's going with you and she looks she looks like she's doing okay, but she's sweating. And Iria, if Danny like tries to like hug onto your arm, are you good with that? Yeah, I think Iria is good with that. Okay. She, you know, kind of gives Danny a comforting pat on the shoulder. Okay. Yeah, I think Danny cuddles up kind of a little bit as you guys walk out and she goes, Damn, I can't believe an assassin actually got into the castle. That almost never happens. There are like a billion spells on the castle ground to prevent that. Whomever it was had to work painstakingly long to get where they were in the throne room. I think Iria asked Danny, like, who would want to, like, who are the queen's enemies? Danny gives you kind of a sad look, and, and she looks genuinely sad in just this moment. And she says, Oh, God, Iria, everybody. Tonry looks back and says, With a kingdom this big and with a position this potent, the enemies will be many. So, so we're working for this person who has enemies literally everywhere. Hmm. Everybody has enemies. Well, I didn't until now. <laughs> I think Danny like pats you on the shoulder and she says, Welcome to the club. <laughs> the only thing that Gideon will say is without looking back, she's just markedly storming out of the castle in her own way and marching ahead of the group. But she slows down a slight bit. Danny. Yeah? Where's Vire's library? I'll take you. I'll take you and Tonrir. And as you four leave the throne room, the queen watches you through slitted pupils, drumming her fingers again on the side of her throne and whispers, they might actually do it. And then what looks like a new wave of pain washes over her and she doubles over, grasping her head in both hands. Talgron watches expressionless and Zira puts a delicate hand on her shoulder. Are you all right, my queen? I'm fine. Just fine. 